Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is a podcast for learners of English and it's sponsored by italki. If you're looking for one-to-one lessons with native speakers and qualified English teachers done remotely using Zoom or Skype, then check out italki. It's very easy to find the right person for you, have the kind of English lessons you want whenever you want. And when you buy some talking time with a teacher, italki will send you a voucher worth a free lesson. To get that offer and all the relevant information, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello everyone. How are you? I hope you're okay. Here's a new episode to keep you company and to help you learn some English that you can use to describe the experience of living in self-isolation. We'll be looking especially at vocabulary to describe the feelings and emotions that you might be going through during this experience. Are you living in self-isolation because of the stupid coronavirus? I say it's stupid. I've got no basis for saying that really. I mean, is it possible to describe a virus as as being stupid? I think it's not stupid. If anything, this virus is very clever because it's doing a really good job of being a virus. I mean, that's essentially what viruses want to do, isn't it? They want to kind of spread around and generally make life difficult for everyone and just kind of travel from one person to the next. So in that case, this virus is extremely effective at being a virus. So, I don't know. Can you call a virus stupid? I don't know. It doesn't matter. The main thing is that I'm expressing frustration about this virus. So, I'm calling it this stupid fucking virus. Anyway, you might be you might be on lockdown. Maybe you're stuck at home. Uh maybe you're in self-isolation at this moment. And so that's what this episode is all about. Um how to describe the feelings and emotions that you might be going through during this experience. Something like, and this is something my wife said to me just a couple of days ago, and I wrote it down because I thought, well, if she said it, it must be true. But I've got no actual uh, source for this information other than the fact that my wife said it to me the other day. I think she was reading something on the internet. Anyway, something like 2.5 billion people in the world are in self-isolation at the moment, including me, my wife and our daughter, and no doubt many of you too. Yes, that's you two the band. I suppose that all four of them are on lockdown at the moment. Bono, The Edge, Adam and the other one. That was a joke, ladies and gentlemen, just in case you didn't notice. Um yes, uh 2.5 billion people on the world in the world are on uh, 2.5 billion people in the world are in self-isolation at the moment, including us and you too. No, obviously I mean you as well. That's right, you the listener. Now, some of you out there won't be in in isolation, confined at home or on lockdown for whatever reason. 
some of you out there are going, this is fine, Luke. It's no problem. We're, we're doing great. We're not on lockdown. No virus here. I don't know. Maybe you live on a tiny island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean or something and you're totally fine. Or maybe you live, you live somewhere else. I don't know. It depends, basically, doesn't it, on the approach that your country is taking to this pandemic. Um, but uh, even if your government hasn't imposed lockdown, maybe you're making personal choices to stay at home, even if your government hasn't imposed it. In the UK, for example, the government has only recently imposed lockdown a week or two late in some people's opinions. I'm not trying to talk about politics here, though. I'm just talking about how it feels to be stuck inside. As I said, this is mainly a vocab episode, so I'll be talking about expressions like on lockdown, in isolation, confinement, but also loads of other things like, you know, how it feels to be frustrated or maybe to feel like you're, you're going slightly crazy because you're stuck indoors, feeling um, cut off from the rest of the world. There's loads of good, good vocab coming up to describe exactly how you might be feeling. Uh, I live in France and uh, we're on lockdown. Uh, on lockdown, I'll be explaining that one in a in due course, unless I've already done it. I probably have already talked about it. I did do, I did do two episodes about the coronavirus situation. The first one was 651, 651. It was vocab to talk about the coronavirus, mainly sort of medical and health related things. And then 652 was a conversation with my dad about it. Anyway, uh, in France, where I live, we're on lockdown. And we're only about a week and a half into it. I'm not sure how long it's going to go on for. It's kind of indefinite. I mean, I think they've made some kind of, they've made some statement like it'll be 15 days. Everything's 15 days in France. If you're familiar with Paul Taylor's uh, comedy, then he's got a whole routine about the way that uh, the French talk about 15 days. The, uh, The rest of the world, it seems to be two weeks. Two weeks is 14 days, right? But in France, it's 15 days. Anyway, they said something about 15 days and then the date was extended and it's been extended again. But uh, we don't really know, to be honest, how long this is going to go on for. It's probably the same thing where you live. Some people say a couple of weeks. Some say it will continue into May. Others suggest longer. And if you aren't, if you aren't sure, okay, uh, then being on lockdown basically means being ordered by the government to stay at home for an extended period of time without a lot of human contact, because obviously you can't visit other people, you can't visit your friends, you can't go out and socialise with others. So no human contact. And this is all in an attempt to prevent the spread of the virus, to contain the virus. And plenty of countries in the world are on lockdown. So you might be um, starved of human contact at this time, or perhaps the opposite, you might be having a bit too much human contact if you're locked up with members of your family, boyfriends, girlfriends, children, flatmates, and so on, and you're trying your hardest not to become homicidal under the circumstances. So either you're going to be uh, fed up with being on your own, or you'll be fed up with being with others. I don't know. There are various possibilities in terms of what you might be going through at the moment. Maybe you're just lonely because you're not used to spending so much time on your own. Maybe you're frustrated because you can't stand 
not being able to do what you want to do. For example, go out and just live normally. Maybe you can't stand being confined with other people who you're trying your best to get on with. You might be craving a bit of solitude at this time just to get away from your family or something. Maybe you're worried about work. A lot of people are concerned about their jobs. A lot of people are concerned about their livelihoods. Um, maybe you're working from home. Uh, and you also, maybe you are worrying about friends and family who might get the virus or may have already caught it especially those who are in the at-risk category. For example, those with underlying or existing health issues or elderly people. A lot of stuff, a lot of different possibilities. Or maybe you are strangely enjoying this time. Maybe you're really enjoying having more time to yourself. Maybe you're enjoying, maybe you're managing to do things. Maybe you're managing to get things done in this period. It feels a bit like a stay-at-home holiday or a staycation, as it's sometimes called these days. A staycation, that mean, that is a vacation uh, where you stay at home. See? A staycation. It's, a, you know, it's an American, it's, a, it's an American thing. Uh, staycation. But anyway, it's kind of a funny new word. So maybe for you, this feels a bit like a kind of a holiday at home or a staycation. And maybe you don't mind self-isolation. In fact, it could be kind of normal for you. But anyway... Um, here's an episode rambling with lots of vocab. Now, I'm, I'm slightly concerned about talking about this because I'm very aware that for some of you out there, this is a very hard time and I don't want to be too frivolous about it. What does frivolous mean, Luke? Frivolous is when you're basically, you, you kind of talk about something in a kind of light-hearted way when really you should be talking about it in a much more serious way. So I don't mean to kind of be too light-hearted about this subject. It's obviously actually very, very serious. Um, so anyway, I'm slightly wary of talking about this. I don't want to be frivolous about it. I know that a lot of you are not having a sort of staycation. It's not a holiday at home or a vacation in which you stay at home. By the way, folks, the word vacation is an American word. In the UK, we would say a holiday and in American English it's a vacation. Um, but anyway, I mean this is not a holiday for many of you but it's it could be a very difficult and worrying time. But having said that, I'm now going to talk about this probably for the next, oh I don't know how long, considering I've, I've already been talking for 10 minutes and I'm only on, what is it, page two of my Google document here. We could be in for about I don't know, 90 minutes, a football match. Now, considering there is no football happening, um, I don't know, is this an adequate replacement for the, the final of the Champions League? No, it's not. But anyway, 90 minutes. I reckon it's going to be about 90 minutes, but we will see. It could be less. And there might be a song at the end. I mean, if you don't like me singing, that's no problem. You just stop before you get there. But uh, I'll... I'll give you fair warning before I start singing, uh, but there might be a song at the end. So anyway, here's the general plan for this episode. First, I'm going to teach you some vocabulary to describe isolation, lockdown, and the things that might be going through your mind as you experience this, particularly feelings and emotions. Um, secondly, I'm going to comment on some recent news about the situation, focusing on the UK mainly, again, Thirdly, I'm going to give a couple of corrections 
from the previous episodes in which I talked about this. Uh, That was episodes 651 and 652. And fourthly, it's not a word that you hear very often, um, I'm going to ramble a little bit about what I've been doing these past couple of weeks. And fifthly, I would just say, and fifth, there might be a song. Anyway, so vocabulary, let's deal with this first. I'm not talking about symptoms and health issues. Okay, I'm not talking about that. In fact, mainly this is about mental health stuff. Um, Just how you feel and the emotions you might be going through. I've already done the symptoms and the health issues stuff. I've already done that, especially in episode 651, which was a vocab episode. And I talked about the subject again in episode 652. That was mainly about the sort of government level reaction to it in the UK. So let's let's first start with some basics to describe this situation. These are some words which are trending at the moment. So self-isolation is the big one. To be in self-isolation. Now, if you're in self-isolation, it just means that you're you're at home basically. You're choosing to stay in. Now, you might stay in um, at home because you've decided to do it because you think it's a good idea in the you know in this situation, or maybe you're staying at home because the government has basically said that you can't go anywhere. In any case, the phrase that we're using is self-isolation. So it doesn't mean that you've been taken by you know the police or something and put in a prison and isolated there. It means that you are basically um, choosing to stay at home. Um, So, for example, I can't stand being in self-isolation. It's doing my head in. Something's doing your head in. It means it's really making you frustrated and annoying you and doing your, yeah, it's doing your head in. It's kind of driving you a bit mad. So it's to be in self-isolation. I can't stand being in self-isolation. It's doing my head in. Uh, The verb is to self-isolate. And an example would be Boris Johnson has tested positive for COVID-19 and is now self-isolating at home. That's true, ladies and gents. Boris Johnson, it was revealed today in the news, Boris Johnson has tested positive for the coronavirus. I'll be talking more about that later. So we've got there to be in self-isolation, to self-isolate and to isolate yourself from someone For example, those people who are displaying symptoms have been told to stay at home and isolate themselves from other family members. So that would be to stay in one room in the house and not actually have any contact with anyone else in the family. That must be a nightmare. Um, And uh, I, you have my sympathy if that is you, if you're self-isolating from not just the rest of the world, but from your family at home. That would be probably quite horrible, unless you hate your family, in which case, nice one. Um, Next, uh, the word lockdown. And lockdown describes the situation in a country when the government has basically imposed lots of strict rules which say that you um, you can't do certain things, like you can't go to public places or you can't congregate in large groups you can't go to certain shops. Certain shops have been ordered to close. Uh, it's a, a, a case of extreme extreme measures that have been in, um, imposed in the country, which basically say that people's movements 
and freedoms have been restricted. So to be on lockdown, to be on lockdown, to be in isolation and to be on lockdown. So we're on lockdown. We've been on lockdown for a few weeks in Paris. To be on lockdown, you can also be locked down. Two words, locked down, to be locked down. So, for example, Paris is almost completely locked down locked down. You're only allowed to go out for certain things. You might be stopped by the police and you could face a large fine if you don't have a written justification for being outside, which is true. Every time I leave the house, and that's rarely, it's probably about once a day, to be honest, to stretch my legs by walking around the block and to take my daughter out to give her a little bit of physical exercise. But we're very, very careful not to, you know, kind of what shake hands and kiss everyone i mean we are avoiding uh all other people that we would you know that we come across in the streets anyway i'll talk more about that later in the episode but um to be locked down yes but if you do go out you need to print out a form and you've got to write in the reason why you're going out the time that you leave your house and you've got to sign it as well everything has to be on paper in in france it seems because uh, if it's not written on paper, then it's not really happening. Anyway, so to be on lockdown, to be locked down, and we also talk about the lockdown. So in in France, the lockdown is going to last indefinitely. Indefinitely means there's no no specific end date or end time. It's just going to go on and on. It's going to last indefinitely. Okay, so that's lockdown. Now we're going to move on to the word confinement, and we can say to be in confinement, okay, to be in confinement. For example, we've been in confinement for nearly two weeks now, Uh, okay, confinement means basically when when you have to stay at home. It's a bit like being in isolation. Isolation, though, is basically when you are uh, far from other people, okay. For example, you could describe a place as being very isolated. If you live in the countryside, if you live in a house on the top of a mountain and there's no one else around, you could say that the house is very isolated. It's a lovely house, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit isolated though, isn't it? It's 300 miles to the latest... It's 300 miles to the nearest shop. Yeah, a little bit isolated. So anyway, to to be isolated or to be in self-isolation. But then confinement is when you are inside, okay? Confined inside within, you know within a room, separated from the world by the four walls in which you're living, to be in confinement. For example, we've been in confinement for nearly two weeks now. And to be confined, for example, to be confined at home. Billions of people around the world are currently confined at home, listening to Luke's English podcast and washing their hands, which is obviously those are the two things that you're doing, right? G- during the lockdown in your country. That's it. You've, you've got no other choice. The only things you can be doing are washing your hands and listening to Luke's English podcast, obviously. Um, <clears throat> another word is quarantine. Quarantine. Q-U-A-R-A-N-T-I-N-E. Quarantine. Uh, to be quarantined basically means keeping a possibly... So to quarantine someone means to keep someone who is possibly infected to keep them separate from others so it's similar to being confined or to be in isolation but um, normally quarantine is more of an official thing and it doesn't happen at home usually 
It could also happen somewhere like an airport. For example, lots of people have been quarantined at the airport. It's also a word that is used to refer to animals. So, for example, if an animal has been brought to another country, the animal might be quarantined for a couple of weeks to prevent, you know, to make sure that the animal doesn't spread diseases to other animals in that country. So, to be quarantined, to be in quarantine, for example, they're currently in quarantine until further notice. And to quarantine someone, for example, if you arrive at immigration, you'll be immediately quarantined in an effort to contain the spread of the virus in the country. So most of us are talking about self-isolation, to be isolated, staying at home or to be confined at home. But also you might hear people talking about being quarantined. Okay, now there's also the word containment. So we've had confinement. This one is containment. Now, you know what a container is, don't you? A a shipping container, a container is something that you would keep something in, right? Like a box. But anyway, um, you would keep it in the box so it doesn't go anywhere. You keep it in that that place to contain the virus. For example, visitors to the city have been quarantined in an effort to contain the spread of the virus, to keep it in one place, to stop it from spreading. Uh, So the... you would say to contain the virus. You can also say the containment of the virus. For example, we're confident that the lockdown will result in the containment of the virus. All words and phrases that you should know and you should be able to use. Let's move on to talk about the more personal side of this. And that is vocabulary to describe the experience. So here are some words and phrases that you might need to talk about what you're going through personally, mentally. And this is mainly for those of you who are just stuck at home. And I'm not dealing with the symptoms of the disease, as I said before. We'll start with bad things. So imagine you are, I I imagine, as I've said already several times, that you're stuck at home. What's it like for you? How's it going? How is it for you? I wonder if you're having a really horrible time, if you're having a actually a surprisingly good time. Or maybe this is just normal for you. Maybe you're, because you never see anyone anyway, maybe you're the sort of person who just always stays in. Maybe this is completely normal and you're loving it. I don't know. But anyway, we'll start with bad things. I've tried to categorise all of this vocab and we're going to start with just feeling bad, like feeling in a bad mood, just negative emotions in general and also relationships with other people. So first of all, we've got being bored. Uh, bored. And this is an ED adjective, which you should know is a feeling. Most of the time, those ED adjectives describe feelings, don't they? Like, I'm excited, I'm interested, I'm bored. Okay. Whereas the ING adjectives describe your opinion of something else. Like, this is boring. This situation is boring. Okay. Um, and um, But I feel bored, you might say. So bored is the adjective to describe your feeling and boredom is the noun. So you might say, I'm just so bored of being stuck indoors. Or you might want to say, I'm so sick of this boredom. Okay, the boredom is really getting to me. Getting to me, I'll come back to that one. Also, you could say to be at a loose end. At a loose end. And now loose is spelled L-O-O-S-E. That's loose to be at a loose end. And this just means to be that you're bored and you've got nothing to do. Okay, I'm at a loose end. I'm just I'm just knocking around the house at a loose end, meaning I'm bored, I've got nothing to do. This is terrible. 
I'm at a loose end. I mean, to be honest, uh, if you are at a loose end, I'm sort of jealous of you because it's quite the opposite experience for me personally. I'm, I, I don't have time to get everything done. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about my personal experience later in the episode. But anyway, you might be at a loose end. Loose, L-O-O-S-E. That's not lose. Now, you might lose your phone. Like, oh, no, where's my phone? Oh, no, I've lost it. I've, uh, did you lose your phone? You know, I don't want to lose my, you know, you might say, I don't want to lose my English. Now, lose there, that's lose, lost, lost. Lose is spelled L-O-S-E. Okay, now it's very important, this one, because I see this mistake happening all the time uh, on the internet when I'm, and also in my students' writing. Um, People want to write or say lose, and they end up writing loose. So lose, like I don't want to lose my English, meaning, uh, you know, lose, lost, lost. That's L-O-S-E, not a double O. And it's a Z sound, lose, to lose your phone. Okay, but uh, loose, that's L-O-O-S-E, and loose means kind of like not fixed, not tight. For example, if, you, if you're wearing baggy jeans, they might be very loose. Or if you've just eaten a big meal, like you've just eaten a massive curry with loads of rice and loads of naan bread and everything, you might want to make, maybe your, your trousers feel a bit tight, so you would undo your belt to make your trousers a bit more loose so that they're more comfortable after you've eaten a massive curry and you've stuffed your, you've completely stuffed yourself uh, with curry, you might want to loosen your trousers so that your your trousers are a bit loose. It's more comfortable, you see? Anyway, to be at a loose end, it just means you've got nothing to do, okay? Um, also, the word frustrating. Um, so it's frustrating not being able to do what you want to do. So frustrating, again, is your opinion of something that the situation is frustrating. This is frustrating. It's really frustrating not being able to do what you want to do. To be frustrated is the uh, feeling. So, for example, I'm starting to get frustrated. I, I need to go outside and get exercise. Okay, it's frustrated. It's like, oh, God, this is really annoying. Frustrating, annoying irritating. Okay. Now we've got the word depression, which is basically feeling sad. But um, I mean, it's a bit more, more than just feeling sad. It's about really struggling with some mental, mental health issues. Uh, depression is, it, it, it's quite normal to suffer from a bit of depression in conditions like this. And I wouldn't be surprised if many of you out there, as we go further and further into this lockdown, will struggle a little bit with depression or other mental health problems that could be if depression anxiety you know those are the main ones i suppose um so it's normal to suffer from a bit of depression in conditions like this depression just could be just feeling negative or feeling um overwhelmed feeling like uh maybe also feeling uh, like you just have no inspiration to do anything, that you've got no energy, that you feel a bit hopeless. Those are all, I think, symptoms of depression. And uh, you can also say to get depressed, meaning to become depressed. So we like, try not to get depressed, you know, try to keep yourself active, try to uh, maintain some kind of routine, try to get some level of physical exercise uh, in order to prevent yourself from getting depressed. Okay. Loads of vocab in this episode. Uh, let's keep going. To feel down, to feel down. 
And uh, down is basically another way of saying depressed. So you might say, I mean, depressed is quite a heavy word. It's quite a big word. And sometimes you want to say something that sounds a little bit less serious. And so you might say to feel down, you know, for example, I must admit that I've been feeling a bit down today. Okay. Um, And why have you been feeling down? Well, it's just this, all this isolation, it's just really getting to me. Now, if something is getting to you, okay, um, to get to you, if something's getting to you, it means it's starting to make you feel bad. It's starting to make you feel depressed or it's starting to make you struggle mentally. Maybe it's starting to make you feel a bit crazy or feeling a, or feel a bit depressed. It's starting to get to me. It's getting to me, being locked up. It's starting to get to me. So to start to get to someone, meaning starting to make someone feel, you know, upset or depressed or mentally ill. It's starting to get to me. To be locked up is another one. Now you, this makes sense in this in the context of a prison, doesn't it? So you can imagine someone's been, someone's committed a crime. The judge has sentenced them to prison. They go to prison and they lock the door and the keys jingle in the lock. You've been locked up. Okay, put in prison and the door's been locked. But also, we would use this phrase to describe this current situation. We talked about lockdown. Well, here we are with the with the uh, word up in there as well. To be locked up, um, meaning to be stuck inside. Uh, you might say to be locked up with someone as well. For example, I'm not sure... I'm not sure I can face being locked up with my family for another six weeks. To face something, it's like to to uh, have to deal with a situation. I'm not sure I can face being locked up with my family for another six weeks. I'm going to go mad. We've also got words like to irritate, to annoy, to get on someone's nerves. Okay, uh, to be irritating and to be annoying as well. Okay, so to irritate someone is the verb. To annoy someone is the verb and to get on someone's nerves and then to be irritating and to be annoying are adjectives. For example, could you use headphones while you're gaming? It's just really starting to irritate me. You can imagine you're locked up with your, I don't know, your flatmate and your flatmates decided to spend the entire lockdown playing some kind of online computer game, but he's doing it without headphones. So you can just hear this constant noise of like machine guns and hand grenades and stuff going on. It's like, could you think you could turn turn that down? It's just, it's just really starting to irritate me. Would you say that though? Would you actually be, would you actually be that direct and say, look, that's really irritating me? Probably not. You'd probably say it to someone else. It's like, oh god, yeah, yeah, John, John, no, well, let's, what, what should we call this person? Um, Max, Max, ah, oh, he's, he's still gaming. He's been gaming for. 39 hours. It's really irritating me. It's really starting to irritate me. Another example would be the neighbours have their TV on really loud. It's so annoying. Annoying. It's really annoying. It's really irritating. The sound of them talking is really starting to get on my nerves now. It's really starting to get on my nerves. It's starting to irritate me. It's starting to annoy me. It's really irritating. It's really annoying. Okay. Another phrase is to be at someone's, well, to be at each other's throats. And it's always each other, to be at each other's throats. Your throat is, you know, the bit there. If you strangle someone, 
uh, you grab them by the throat. You know when you strangle someone, right? <laughs> I feel like I've said this before when I've explained this phrase. I'm sure I've been through this before, getting deja vu here. Have I done this before? Probably. After 650 episodes, I'm probably just repeating myself all the time, aren't I, listeners? Probably those of you who've been listening long term are like, yeah, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. You've heard, you've, you've said that before. You've made that joke before, Luke. We've heard it all before now. Anyway, um, so to be at each other's throats, your throat is that part of your neck there where the windpipe is. Okay, you know it because of the phrase a sore throat when you have a cold or the coronavirus. Is, the, is a sore throat a, a symptom of the coronavirus? Leave your comments in the comments section, folks. Don't forget to smash that like button. Um, don't forget to... Whatever. So, to be at each other's throats. So, if you are with someone and you are starting to fight with that person, you might say that you are at... Well, both of you are at each other's throats. For example, they were at each other's throats after just three days. Like, for example, my neighbours are a nightmare, right? An absolute nightmare. Uh, and they argue all the time. And, I, and as soon as the and lockdown was announced, I thought, oh dear, it's going to be interesting listening to their arguments. And sure enough, they were, they were absolutely at each other's throats within three days, um, shouting at each other and plates and things smashing in the kitchen they were at each other's throats meaning that they were basically fighting with each other okay um i wonder if you know anyone like that um a phrase that you might know or you might not know familiarity breeds contempt contempt is a bit like hatred okay contempt basically means um uh yeah it's like when you hate someone, you have contempt for that person. It's basically when you when you consider you despise someone or you look down at someone, you have no, absolutely no respect. So it's the it's the opposite of respect, contempt. Okay, the opposite of respect, contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. So the 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 more you know someone, the idea behind this expression is. The more you know someone, the more the, the less you respect them. So if you have to live with a person, you know, day in, day out for six or seven or eight or nine or ten weeks, potentially you're just going to lose all respect for that person as you get to know them more and more. I don't know. Is that true? It could go the other way, couldn't it? Uh, maybe the closer you you live with another person, the more you're going to get to know them and you're going to become closer and closer and going through this shared experience is going to form a bond with that person that uh, will never be broken. Maybe this whole lockdown situation, although on one hand it's, it's kind of bad, maybe on the other hand it's going to it's going to be kind of a good thing. It's going to strengthen people's relationships. It's going to teach people valuable life lessons. It's going to make us stronger in some ways as we come out the other side of this nightmare. Is it a nightmare? I don't know. Depends. So anyway, familiarity breeds contempt. I thought I'd write that one down. Uh, another expression, to have enough of someone or something. Right, I've, had en- I've had enough of this. I'm going out. So if you say that you've had enough of something, it basically means that you can't stand it anymore. Uh, you've reached a point where you don't like it anymore. 
I've, I, I've had enough of this. Like, this is too much for me now. Like you can imagine, you know, some, some teenager at home and they've had to spend every day with, with their parents or their family. And eventually they're like, oh, I've had enough of this. I'm going out. And like, you can't go out. Well, screw you. I'm going to go out anyway to have enough of something. To be fed up, to be fed up with someone or fed up with something, it's just a similar meaning. It's like you're just really annoyed and not happy with it anymore. I'm just so fed up with being stuck indoors all day. Stuck. If you're stuck, it means you can't move. And you say to be stuck in the house, to be stuck indoors, okay, Uh, to be confined at home. Uh, I'm just fed up with this situation, you might say. Uh, Also, uh, maybe because you are locked up at home, maybe you're isolated. And so maybe you, you don't get a chance to see anybody, especially if you live alone. So maybe you're missing people. So the verb to miss someone, maybe you're missing your friends. And maybe you're feeling cut off from your friends. To feel cut off, it means to be isolated, essentially. So you could say to feel cut off from the world or to feel cut off from someone. For example, it's quite hard feeling cut off from my normal circle of friends. Okay, now I'm going to move on to talk about um, mental health issues or struggling to deal with the situation. So I want to talk about things that are slightly more serious. So uh, this is when you're having a really difficult time. Maybe you're starting to get emotional. Maybe, you know, proper depression is kicking in. So you might say things like this, you know, if I said, so how's it going? It's like, well, I'm struggling to cope, to cope with a situation, to cope with something. Um, Okay, if you, uh, to cope with something basically means to deal with something. Okay. Um, so for example, I'm struggling to cope. I'm finding it difficult to deal with this situation. For example, I'm mentally struggling. I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling emotional. I'm feeling depressed. Maybe I'm feeling unable to do anything. I feel like this situation is too much for me. Um, and I'm powerless. Um, you might say I'm struggling to cope, meaning you're, you're getting a bit upset. Upset could mean angry. Upset can also mean like you're just crying, you know, the emotions are too strong. Well, yeah, I just, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I just, I miss my friends and family so much. I don't know what to do with myself. Oh God, I'm just like, is this the end of the world? It's like, come on, man, is he going to be all right? It's okay, we're going to get through this. It's all right, you're struggling to cope, but it's okay. Have a cup of tea, you'll be all right. Okay, I'll have a cup of tea. <sighs> oh, there. I do feel better. Oh, there's a good thing about a cup of tea. It helps you to cope with these difficult situations. Nothing like a good cup of tea to help you cope with almost any problem. Well, I wouldn't say almost any problem, but it certainly helps. Um, This is like Groundhog Day, you might say. Groundhog Day. This is a film. Have you seen this film? Film with Bill Murray. And it's that film from the, what, the 90s, I think? A A famous film in which the actor Bill Murray... Uh, repeats the same day again and again and again and again. He goes through the same day over and over again, and um, and it's it's kind of a nightmare for him. So that film has become a phrase that we use now. 
you can say this is like Groundhog Day, meaning this is a, a day. It's, it's like when you feel like every day is exactly the same. You're repeating the same day over and over again. It's, it's like Groundhog Day. You might be saying to yourself, how am I going to get through this? Or you might say, don't worry, we're going to get through this. We can get through this. It's going to be all right. We're going to get through this. How am I going to get through this? I've got to get through this. To get through something means to progress from start to finish. There's a song, isn't there? I've got to get through this. What is his name? Daniel Beddingfield. This is a UK garage classic. Uh, That's it. UK garage classic from, when was this? The year 2000? Maybe earlier? Daniel Beddingfield. I've got to get through this. Okay, I'm going to play some of this track to you. Uh, Here we go. Do you know this one? When was this released? Just made me think of this. I just remembered this. Come on, Daniel. A contemporary of what's his name? Um, Craig David. Craig David. Daniel Beddingfield and Craig David did collaborate. But this is a solo record, this one. I gotta get through this. I gotta get through this. I gotta get, gonna make it through. Right, so to get through something, to get through something means to progress from start to finish, to go all the way through it, to be able to move from the start of the experience to the end of the experience without stopping or failing. So I don't know what what Daniel Beddingfield was attempting to get through. What was he talking? What, uh, can I find the lyrics to Got to Get Through This by Daniel Beddingfield? Let's see if I can find the lyrics and we can very quickly find out what it is that Daniel Beddingfield is trying to get through. Probably something to do with a girl. He's probably having a bad experience with a, with his girlfriend. Uh and he's thinking, oh, I'm gonna, I've got to survive this experience. I've got to get through this. Come on then. Oh, no, no, no. Wrong one. Okay. This is fun, isn't it? Listening to me Google things. I, I, uh, I've got to get through this. I've got to get through this. Uh, I've got to make it. got to make it through. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. I've got to, got to take my mind off you. Really deep lyrics. I think it's that he's trying to get over a girl. Not in the physical sense. But just in the sense that, like, uh, maybe she's she dumped him, she split up with him, and he's struggling to like get through the experience. Just give me a second, and I'll be all right. Surely one more moment could couldn't break my heart. Give me until tomorrow, and then I'll be okay. Just another day, and then I'll hold you tight. When your love is pouring like rain, I close my eyes, and it's gone again. When will I get the chance to say I love you? I pretend that you're already mine. My heart's breaking every time I look into your eyes. I've got to get through this. I've got to get through this. So it seems to be that he's in love with a girl and yet he's not with that girl. And so it's very difficult for him. So he's always oh, having a difficult time, Daniel. And he's, I've got to get through this. I've got to get through this. Okay. That happened in when? I think it was like 2000 or 1999 that Daniel was attempting to get through whatever it was he was getting through. I hope that he's, I hope he managed it. Anyway. You might be thinking, oh, God, how am I going to get through this? Come on, ladies and gents, we're going to make it. We're going to get through this experience. So to get through an experience, 
You could also get through things physically. For example, to get through a tunnel, you go from one end of the tunnel to the other end and you get through the tunnel or to get through an experience that you might be having. And it's all right, ladies and gents, we are going to get through this. Um, There is light at the end of the tunnel. Things will go back to a kind of normal. It might not be exactly the same as it was before, but um, it's we're going to be all right. We're going to get through this. Another one is to feel overwhelmed. This is when things are things are too much for you. Uh, things get on top of you. You feel overwhelmed. Over and then W H E L M E D. At one word to be overwhelmed, and it could be to be overwhelmed by fears. Like it's when the all your fears get too much. Oh no! What about what happens if if we all die? What happens if my cat dies? Or oh no! What am I going to do if? Um, you know, if my company closes and uh, there won't be a job for me or, oh, dad, you know, what about if this is all a global conspiracy? Maybe it's like aliens have invented the virus and they're trying to kill us or maybe it's the matrix. Maybe we're all just living in a simulation and oh, maybe this is all a nightmare. What, I, we don't know what's going on. It's like, don't get overwhelmed by fears and doubts and worries. For example, you might be worrying about the knock-on effects on the economy. Or you might be even more paranoid. You might be having paranoid thoughts about what's really going on. Like maybe this, maybe this is some kind of bioweapon. I don't know. But anyway, don't be overwhelmed by your fears and doubts and insecurities and worries. Um, to get carried away. To let your mind get carried away. It's like, you're getting carried away, John. Just, you know, I don't think things are that bad, John. And John's like, no, it's a government conspiracy. It's the... I don't know who would it be. It's it's the it's the Mongolians. <laughs> it's all a plot by the Mongolians. Uh, why the Mongolians, Luke? Well, I don't know. Why not? It's all a plot by name a country. The Irish. <laughs> Unlikely. It's all a big conspiracy by the Irish. What? Why the Irish? Just because it's their turn. They've been waiting long enough. Now this is their chance to take over the world. And they've used the coronavirus. Really? How? How have they done that then exactly? Well, they created it in, you know, like in their pubs. You know, the all the leftover dregs of the Guinness that no one drinks at the bottom of the the glass. What do you mean? Everyone always drinks all the Guinness in Ireland. No, I mean the the Guinness that overflows the glass and drips down into the plastic tray. Maybe what they've done is they've they've left that for ages and then they've turned it into a virus and then they took it to China and they infected everyone. And like, what are you talking about, John? You're you're losing it. You're getting carried away. You're letting your mind get carried away again. I don't think things are that bad. Well, you're just so paranoid about the Irish and the Mongolians. What are you on about, John? Okay. <laughs> you're getting carried away. To get carried away is like when your your thoughts start to get a bit exaggerated or when you go too far. A bit like that example. So uh, someone might say this, try not to think too much, John. Okay, you're just, you know, you're getting carried away. Look, don't think too much. Try not to think too much. Just take it one day at a time. Okay, if you're thinking too much, it means you're basically overthinking, you're worrying, you're getting nervous and paranoid. There's another one, to feel paranoid. If you're feeling paranoid, it means you're starting to worry about things that aren't really happening. You're kind of imagining things that are not really true. So, for example, 
I started feeling a bit paranoid the other day when I was outside. So you might you might be feeling paranoid uh, during this uh, period. Like when I go outside sometimes, which is, you know, legally possible, you are allowed to go outside, as I will say later in the episode. Um, I was getting a bit paranoid. It's like, oh, God, is there virus everywhere? It's like invisible. It's in this invisible virus. Maybe it's everywhere. Maybe it's on me now. Uh, 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 get the virus off me. You know, you start getting a bit paranoid. Um, or maybe you're starting to think, yeah, maybe it's a Mongolian Irish conspiracy to take over the world. Or maybe it's the Icelandic, it's the Icelandic people. They've had enough of eating puffins and having no sunlight during the winter. And they've decided that's it. We're going to take over the world. How are we going to use a virus? How's that going to work? We don't know. We haven't really thought that far. I don't know. You're getting paranoid, John. Who is this John character? I don't know. Is he related to Jeff? Maybe. I thought, what happened to Jeff? Don't know. Biscuits. Remember him? Anyway, long-term listeners may remember him. Any long-term listeners still with me? If you are a long-term listener, and if you know who Jeff is and other references like that, then let me know in the comments section. Sometimes I wonder if, if, you know, if you're still with me. Anyway, to, to feel paranoid, to feel anxious as well. Anxiety, you may know the word anxiety. The adjective is anxious. And it's got an X in it. A-N-X-I-O-U-S. To feel anxious. For example, it's very easy to feel anxious in this situation. Anxious, nervous, uh, similar expressions. Anxious, like if you're anxious, you might be biting your fingernails. Maybe you're very worried. Okay, feeling a lot of anxiety. Not a nice experience. Paranoid is, yeah, when you're basically kind of inventing things which are not really true, like it's a big conspiracy. Um, anxious just feels means you feel nervous. And I think it's very normal for most of us to be feeling anxious at this time. We'll be anxious about our friends and family. We'll be feeling anxious about um, the economy and about our jobs and what the effects of this are going to be. And we'll be feeling anxious about catching the virus ourselves. Totally normal. I want to make a point here about the words nervous and stressed and annoyed and angry. Okay. Nervous is like anxious. This is how you would feel before an exam. This is how you would feel before you go to the dentist. You feel nervous. And typically people do things like bite their fingernails when they're feeling nervous or anxious. Stressed is just when you are under pressure, you're experiencing uh, pressure or stress. And for me personally, I feel stressed uh, in the five minutes before I start teaching an English lesson. I've got five minutes before I'm supposed to be in the class teaching the class and I've got to prepare and I'm like, oh God, I've got to prepare myself. I've got to get everything ready. Ah, and I'm trying to photocopy stuff at the photocopier. Ah, God, I'm starting to get stressed. So stressed and nervous are kind of similar. But one of the things that I've noticed from learners of English around the world is they say nervous and they actually mean annoyed or they mean angry. So annoyed is when you're like, oh God, that's... Like, for example, when the photocopier doesn't work. Oh, fucking photocopier. Come on. That's annoyed. And angry is like like annoyed, but even stronger. Fuck, fuck the photo, fucking photocopier, you might say, if you are particularly angry about a photocopier. And you can hear from 
that example that uh, uh, maybe I've got some some built up some some uh, anger inside me against photocopiers, and I do. I've had some extremely stressful and extremely annoying and um, uh, infuriating experiences with photocopiers, often just one or two minutes before I'm about to teach some English lesson somewhere, and the photocopier jams and all the paper gets stuck, and it's fucking photocopier and then you turn into the incredible hulk and you smash it or you or you don't you just go to your english lesson and hello everyone hello oh god nice to be in the english class anyway to feel that's so nervous oh going to the dentist uh stressed it's like oh i'm teaching in in five minutes oh am i ready ah Annoyed, it's like, oh, the photocopy's not working. Oh. And angry, it's like, ah, photocopier, you... Ah. You see? Okay. Um, another thing you might say, you might say to someone, try not to worry, all right? Try not to worry. You might say, don't panic. Don't panic. Panicking is like, ah, God, what's going to happen? You'd lose control. Uh, don't freak out. Another example of panicking, freaking out. Now, uh, panic is a, a good word for this situation because, as you may know, people have been panic buying, buying, you know, buying things in shops, purchasing things. But panic buying, uh, this is when people buy loads of things in supermarkets because they're panicking. Like, oh, my God, we're not going to have any food. All the food's going to run out. Quick, buy all the food. You know, it's like buy all the pasta and the toilet paper quickly. Get all the toilet paper. These are the things that apparently in a crisis... These are the two things that we need. You need toilet paper and pasta. You see footage on the news of people panic buying toilet roll and pasta. Apparently, these are the two most essential things for us in a crisis. Eating pasta and then wiping our bums when we poo out that pasta. This is the, these are the essential things. You get to realise in a crisis what is important for humankind and apparently it's consuming pasta and then cleaning up the mess <laughs> uh, that ensues later. I don't know. It's, it's in- interesting that toilet roll is a thing that makes us feel okay. It's like, I'm okay, I've got toilet roll in the house. I don't know if you've ever done that, like woken up in the middle of the night. <sighs> what is it, John? <sighs> Have we got toilet roll? We do. Of course we do, John. We panic bought loads of it last week. We've got, we've got toilet roll? Okay, <sighs> Oh, thank God for that. Oh, I don't know if you've ever had that experience. I'm kind of joking. But it's funny that people panic were panic buying toilet roll. It was funny and also not funny. Also very serious because there are a lot of people who went to the supermarket, like elderly people. Oh, I'm going to the supermarket to buy some toilet roll. Oh, there's no toilet roll. Where's all the toilet roll gone? Oh, well, never mind. At least I'll be able to get pasta. Oh, there's no pasta either. Poor old people and other people. Poor people. Poor, poor people. Anyway, going mad is the next category, which is appropriate because I'm slightly losing it, which does happen after 55 minutes of podcasting sometimes. But there it is. 90 minutes, I said. Ooh, is it going to be 90? Maybe this will be two episodes. Going mad. So here are some expressions to describe the feeling of going a bit mad which is something that may well be happening to you if you're stuck indoors uh, for days on end with no no human contact, just you and a cat or something. 
You're going mad. Now, you could say to climb the walls. Now, if you can imagine a mad person, I mean, mad and crazy are not particularly politically correct words. I mean, we'd say mentally ill. But, I mean, to be honest, in common parlance, people still do say mad and crazy. So, going mad. To climb the walls. For example, my teenage wall... My teenage walls? No. My teenage kids are climbing the walls, almost literally. So, if you're climbing the walls, it means you're, you're, you're... you're going so mad that you're starting to climb up the walls, if you can imagine, in a room inside. You're climbing up the walls because you're mad. Okay. You just have to imagine that one. But there it is, to climb the walls. It's a common expression. For example, my my teenage kids are climbing the walls. Like after six days indoors without being able to see their friends, they're climbing the walls almost literally. You can imagine them like, uh, I don't know. It's hard to explain that. Anyway, to climb the walls. Look out for that one. You could Google it. Just Google climb the walls now. What's going to happen if I do that? Climb the walls. I bet if I typed climbing the walls, it would be different. Um, yeah, it's all about rock climbing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to type climbing the walls. And I bet that's going to be different. Indoor rock climbing. Climbing the walls by the idioms. Idioms by the free dictionary. That means climbing the walls apparently means to be anxious or annoyed to the point of frenzy. Ah, when you're losing your mind. Uh, The doctor hasn't called me with the test results yet, so I've been climbing the walls. Imagine you've had a a big health test to see if you've got some serious health issue and you're waiting for the doctor to call you with the results. And it's been like, it's been like 10 days and he still hasn't called. He's like, I'm climbing the walls here. Okay, to climb the walls. Um, what else have we got? To lose it. To lose it means essentially to lose your mind, but just to lose it, we say. For example, any more time spent in this room with you, and I'm just going to lose it. Um, mm -hmm. Any more time spent in this room and I'm going to lose it, and I'm starting to lose it. I'm losing it, everyone. I'm losing it. Or you might say, oh, he's lost it. He's lost it. Uh Uh-oh. Luke's lost it, which is something that I have heard people say when I'm just being stupid. Oh, he's lost it. It's like, ah, I lost it many years ago. You might be thinking, oh, Luke's lost it, has he? No, I never had it in the first place. And then uh, to lose your mind as well. Like, I'm f- I feel like I'm slowly losing my mind here. This is really weird to lose your mind. Okay. Now, we've got some more expressions here, uh, talking about being locked in, being unable to leave your home. So we have the expression to go stir crazy, stir crazy. And it's actually pronounced stir crazy. Stir, S-T-I-R, a bit like the verb for when you're, let's say, cooking and you've got soup, you're cooking soup, you need to stir the soup to make sure it's evenly heated. So it doesn't stick to the bottom. You've got to stir the soup. But that's not really the origin of the word. But anyway, it's the same spelling and same pronunciation. To go stir crazy. Stir crazy. So I'm going a bit stir crazy, to be honest. If you're going stir crazy, it means you're feeling upset. You're feeling angry. You're feeling emotional. You're feeling mad. You're feeling uh, mentally unwell because you are locked in somewhere like if you were in prison. In fact, in the 19th century in London, stir 
was a nickname for prison, or specifically Newgate Prison in London. Its nickname, for some reason, was called the Stir or Stir. Okay, and so people who were locked up in Newgate Prison, people would say that they, and if they were going mad as a result of being confined in prison, you could say that they were going stir crazy. Uh, but now, stir crazy refers to any situation in which you are cooped up, in which you are locked up. Okay, so to go stir crazy, I'm starting to go stir crazy, or you know, uh, I can't imagine after six weeks of this. I, I'm, I'm going to go stir crazy. I'm going a bit stir crazy, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Um, to be cooped up, I said, to be cooped up, C-O-O-P-E-D. To be cooped up means, to again, to be locked inside. A bit like you're in a chicken coop. A chicken coop is uh, a place where you'd keep chickens. It's a kind of little fenced off area and a little wooden um, little wooden hut in which the chickens live and that's where they lay their eggs and the whole thing is called a chicken coop and it's where you keep the chickens in one one area a chicken coop so you could be cooped up meaning to be locked inside like you're a, like you're a chicken in a chicken coop for example I just can't stand being cooped up all day now ladies and gents let me assure you that these all of these expressions I'm teaching you are uh, they've been given the Luke's English podcast seal of approval which means I'm not just pulling these phrases out of a dictionary. These aren't phrases that no one ever uses. These are all phrases that I, in my experience, are being used a lot and um, certainly phrases that I would use, definitely. In fact, I all of these phrases just came out of my own head. So they're not things that I pulled out of some ancient idioms dictionary. They're all things that I think are actually used these days. So to be cooped up, it might sound like a strange one, but uh, I can assure you that people do use this. So I can't stand being cooped up all day. Um, I'm going stir crazy and I'm getting cabin fever. Cabin fever is another one. You can imagine a cabin is like a wooden house in the middle of a forest or something. And you can imagine someone living in that wooden house like all winter throughout some frozen winter in the forest and they never get to see anyone. They would start to get cabin fever, like they're starting to go a bit crazy, locked up in that cabin all the time. And so cabin fever is an expression that we use to describe situations when you are starting to lose it because you are locked up in one place. Also, we've got to feel claustrophobic. Claustrophobic uh, is that the claustrophobia is the phobia of being enclosed in a small space. So if you feel claustrophobic, it's like, oh God, the walls are closing in. I've got to get out. I've got to get some fresh air. I can't stand being cooped up in here any longer. Ah, You know, I'm starting to feel claustrophobic. Uh, to feel trapped is a good one. And to be stuck or stuck indoors. Stuck is the past of stick, stick, stuck, stuck. To be stuck somewhere. This is when you basically, uh, when you can't leave, okay? You can't go out, you can't move. So I'm stuck somewhere. I'm stuck at home. Uh, They're stuck in Morocco. Uh, Quite a lot of French people are stuck in Morocco at the moment. They went to Morocco on a holiday. Then the lockdown occurred and they were not allowed to come back or I don't know what the, the, all the regulations said that they couldn't leave the airport or something. And so quite a lot of people are stuck in Morocco. Uh, you might say he got stuck in his car for hours. I was stuck to the TV watching the news for nine hours. I've been stuck to my computer. So, lo- you know, locked to your computer or to be stuck indoors. So I'm stuck indoors and it sucks, you might say. Okay, 
Now, just a few other little expressions in this vocab section before we move on. So we've got the expression chapped. Now, I imagine you've been washing your hands diligently, right? You keep washing your hands all the time in order to cleanse yourself of this rather horrible virus. So we've been encouraged to wash our hands all the time whenever we come in or just generally during the day. You wash your hands. You do it for 20 seconds. That's right, 20 seconds, not 20 minutes. Uh, 20 seconds with soap. And after washing your hands so many times, your hands start to get very dry and the skin gets very dry and maybe the skin starts to crack. So when you've got dry, cracked skin, the the adjective you need is chapped. C-H-A-P-P-E-D. So, for example, you might say, have you got any moisturiser? My hands are so chapped from constantly washing them. So you might be saying that, like, my hands are so chapped. And it's true, my, my hands are very chapped from constant washing. They're very dry. Can you hear this? That's me rubbing the microphone against the back of my hand. If I rub the finger against the back of my hand, I don't know if you can hear it. Anyway, believe me, my hands are very chapped. I need to I need to moisturise. I need to, you know. I'll tell you what, everyone, when I've finished, when this lockdown is over and when uh, the, this dreaded virus has gone away, I'm going to treat myself to a lovely manicure, he said, uh, not seriously. Although my wife loves a manicure, and she's always trying to get me to join her. And I'm like, uh, it's just not really my cup of tea. It's nice, though. It's nice having your hands done. But I don't like the way they... Why do they have to remove the cuticles on your fingernails? I don't know why. Anyway, uh, my hands are very chapped. I need to I need to moisturise. Um, okay, another phrase would be on the front line on the front line. This is certainly a trending expression at the moment. Um, So to be on the front line means to be doing the hardest and most important work. I think it, it was originally used to talk about soldiers in a war, specifically those soldiers who were on the front line of the conflict, okay, facing the enemy directly and fighting with them right at the right at the front, okay, of the fight. Uh, directly facing the enemy. That's on the front line. So this is the first meaning. It's uh, a position that soldiers would find themselves in during a war, during a conflict. This is the first meaning. But these days it's used to refer to the people who are doing the hardest and most important work in any situation. Okay, so really we're talking about health workers who are on the front line. In the past, I'll give you an example, right? In the past, working in a language school, I have heard people talking about the teachers being the ones who are on the front line. It's quite dramatic language, especially in the light of this coronavirus situation and the fact that health workers are facing much, much tougher conditions. But I've, I have heard that quite a lot of times in meetings at schools and things like that. People saying that teachers are the ones who are on the front line meaning it's the teachers who are the ones who face the clients, and the clients in this case are the students who are paying money to, to have the classes. So it's the teachers are the ones who actually face the students in class. So if the students are unhappy for whatever reason, and it could be ha- unhappy because of the accommodation, unhappy because of the facilities, unhappy because of some other issue, uh, but if they are unhappy, it's the teachers who have to deal with that directly. They're the ones who are dealing with the unhappy students and trying to keep them happy. They're, uh, the teachers are the ones who are giving the end product to the students. 
And so it's the teachers who face these students directly rather than the marketing people or the management or the agents and stuff. Okay, so, you know, it's the teachers who are on the front line. It's just an example. At the moment, this phrase is being used a lot for those people who are working in hospitals. So we're talking about health workers, doctors, nurses, paramedics and so on. In fact, these are the real heroes of the moment. Uh, It's the health workers working on the front line. Okay, it's a phrase that is used all the time. I listen to the BBC radio when I'm at home, when I'm cooking, when I'm doing the washing up, when when I'm just playing with my daughter. I've got BBC Radio 5. I've got 5 Live playing in the background or BBC 6 Music. And when they play them news, there's often reports of, you know, people talking about uh, health workers on the front line meaning the health workers who are dealing with sick people, giving treatment to the people who are uh, who are suffering uh, from the effects of this disease. And um, they, in many cases, especially in places like Italy, as you may be aware, um, it's the, the emergency services, the hospitals are overwhelmed with, um, with people. And if you are a doctor or nurse or something, then it must be a very, very tough situation, like working a long shift, and you just get uh, waves and waves and waves of people suffering from this. Waves of people who are, um, you know, um, facing, well, people who have got very, very terrible cases of the coronavirus and who are in critical condition, let's say. So it's the health workers who are on the front line. Now, any of the negative things I'm mentioning in this episode about being stuck at home and stuff, including all the boredom, the friction with those people you live with, the fears about your work, the frustrations, the isolation. None of it compares to the struggles, risks and sheer exhaustion of those people working on the front line of this situation. So we've got to uh, express our gratitude to those people. Every evening here in Paris at 8pm, people open their windows or they go out onto their balconies in order to applaud together. Applaud, that's... The clapping. I can't applaud with a microphone in my hand. Right? They applaud together as a public display of gratitude for all the health workers who are working on the front line. And it started happening across the UK as well. And I'm sure it's the same in many other countries. Are there any things that people are doing where you live in order to express their gratitude and support for health workers working on the front line? Are they doing the same thing? Are they out on the balconies clapping and applauding in the evening? I wonder. But anyway, I would like to echo that sentiment. I'd like to just say thank you if you are a health worker or if you're involved directly in the fight against this fucking virus. Thank you very much. Well done. You are the most valuable players. Oh, and by the way, we will beat this, and this is not the end of the world. In fact, on that note, let's move to positives. And again, positives about being stuck at home. Remember, it's about isolation. I'm not talking about positives of the fact that there's a global pandemic. There may be positives to that, you know, like, for example, it drives innovation. um, And maybe it's going to sort of bring people together in some ways. But I'm not really talking about that kind of positive stuff. I'm talking about the positives of being stuck at home. Are there any positives about being isolated? Now, being stuck at home in isolation, this could be a chance for you to do things. Every cloud has a silver lining. 
that is a common expression. Every cloud has a silver lining is a common expression, meaning that every cloud in the sky, although it looks dark and grey, it has a silver lining that inside the cloud it's made of silver. Mm. But it just means that to every negative situation, there is at least one positive aspect to it. So um, this isolation Maybe it could encourage you to spend more time together with the people you live with. Maybe it's bringing you closer together with your family. Maybe it's allowing you to spend quality time. So we talk about quality time. Maybe you're able to spend quality time with someone. Maybe you're spending quality time with your children, for example, like I am. And I'm spending lots of quality time with my daughter. It's, you know, a lot of the time it's just me and her, or it's my wife and her, or it's my wife and me and her. And we are spending lots of quality time. We're spending, we're, we're spending more time together, uh, playing, having fun with each other. I'm teaching her more things. You know, I'm teaching her stuff that she would otherwise be getting taught at the daycare center. I'm doing that stuff for her now. And it's immensely uh, satisfying, like um, teaching her... She's counting from one to ten now, and that's a recent development in English. Um, she's getting the colours right and stuff like that. So um, being able to spend quality time uh, to reconnect with your family, to reconnect, that means to kind of re-establish good relations with your family. And certainly at the moment, um, I've been having like um, video calls with my mum, my dad and my brother every day. The four of us have um, uh, group video calls every day. And that's nice. Uh, Before this stuff, before this happened, uh, we weren't in such close contact. So it's a nice way to reconnect with the family. And in fact, we've managed to encourage, for example, my brother to eat more healthily. Um, Stuff like that. So anyway, reconnecting with the family to catch up on things. Maybe this has been a chance for you to catch up on things, to catch up on stuff. That's when there's, you know, uh, we've all got like things that we should be doing. We've often got a to-do list, a list of things like I must do this, I must do that, I must do the all these things that you need to do, but you never have time. Maybe this has been a chance for you to catch up on those things. It could just be stuff like, a chance to read books that you've been meaning to read for a while, or maybe send emails to people that you've been meaning to send emails to, or, you know, do little bits of work that you haven't had a chance to work on. It's maybe a good chance to catch up on things. Um, Maybe you're finally catching up on things that you've been meaning to do for a while. Um, Another example of some positives from being uh, on lockdown Uh, My friend Vanessa on Facebook shared this yesterday, and I think it's quite good. Now, although Vanessa, uh, she doesn't mean to say that um, uh, being on lockdown, that the whole situation is great, but just for her personally, um, she wrote these things. She wrote, uh, my inner Emily Dickinson is loving this. Emily Dickinson, by the way, was an American poet from, I guess, the, the 19th century, She was an American poet who is very withdrawn, very introverted and reclusive. So Emily Dickinson is like famous for for, um, isolating herself out of choice because she was so introverted. So Vanessa wrote this. "My My inner Emily Dickinson is loving this. I've never felt less pressure to go out or to accomplish anything. That's true. We're often, you know, there's often quite a lot of pressure on us to 
to go out and do things, to go out to social events that we don't really want to go out to or to accomplish things all the time. The pressure is off in some way. So that's nice. She said, I'm loving the mandated family time. Mandated meaning um, like compulsory um, because, you know, you're, you're forced to stay at home by law. So she's saying, I love the mandated family time. So again, it's a chance for her to spend quality time with her, with her child and her, her bloke, her man. I don't know if it's her husband. Anyway, um, the, the one she is with, her significant other, that's the one, her SO, significant other. Significant other means basically like a serious boyfriend, serious girlfriend, your partner, your life partner, your significant other. It's less specific. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're married. It just means the other significant person in your life. And it's non-gender specific as well. Anyway, uh, so she's loving the mandated family time. I guess she's spending quality time with her kids and her significant other. Uh, my, my around the world loved ones, these are, you know, I guess family or uh, people who she's very close to that live around the world. She said, my around the world loved ones actually have time to write back to me quickly, which is true, isn't it? I don't know if it's the same case for you, but uh, I certainly have been in touch with my, uh, my family members that are in different places during this a bit more than, than I normally am. Um, the air quality is the best it's been in 40 years. So Vanessa lives in Paris or just outside Paris. And uh, it's true because there are hardly any cars on the roads. The air quality is has has improved so much. It's fantastic, actually. Uh, and also we've been having fantastic weather. Um, she says um, there have been no traffic jams and no annoying honking out of my window. Honking is American English because Vanessa is American. I would say beeping. Beep, 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 which is a, a constant thing in Paris. There's constantly cars beeping and honking outside because um, Parisian drivers love to beep their horns. They, I mean, they're just like, that's the first thing you learn, I think, when you learn to drive in Paris. Like the f- day one of your uh, driving school, you know, the, you can imagine the um, the driving instructor sitting down in the car. Okay, so here's the car. First thing, um, here's the horn, <laughs> uh, and now here's the steering wheel. Here are the here's the brakes. <laughs> Little joke there. Uh, that's the first thing they learn. Anyway, so there'd be no traffic jams, no annoying honking or beeping outside my window. The sun shines against a beautiful blue sky. I'm thankful the tragedy of losing someone to COVID has not yet become a reality for me. So, fair enough. And then she's written, what are your lockdown silver linings? Okay, what are your lockdown silver linings? So, what are the little positive aspects of this otherwise uh, negative situation? And she's asked people to, to tell her what her uh, what their silver linings are. And one person wrote this, not having to wear a bra to go to work, lol. So, yes, if you if you normally would wear a bra... Uh, you don't have to wear one because you don't have to go out. You don't have to go and see all the other people in your office. So you can just be braless if you want. It must be so much more comfortable. I wouldn't know having you know, never worn a bra. Maybe I should try and see see what it's like. But I would imagine it's quite uncomfortable having a bra strapped to yourself all the time. It must be a great relief to, to take it off. 
uh, or to not put it on in the first place. So anyway, there are some positives. Now, I want to talk about mental health stuff. Just, you know, just I think it's important. I've mentioned it before, but just the importance. Everyone, all of us in this situation will at some point suffer from mental health issues because of this isolation. Okay, it's definitely going to happen. There's no question. Um, I could refer you to mind.org.uk um, slash information dash support or just click the link on the page for the episode. And there are some interesting things, useful little bits of advice for taking care of your mental health during this period. So basic things like try to stay optimistic, focus on the positives if you can. If you're with other people, you need to just accept that there will be some friction. At some point, you're going to get frustrated and annoyed with them. They're going to get on your nerves. You're going to get on their nerves. You need to just accept it and try to be mindful of it and try not to let it um, make you angry or something. You need to work on being generous if you can. Try to be generous with the people around you because ultimately it's going to help everyone survive this situation. Some good advice from that website. Keep to a routine. Try to develop some kind of routine and stick to it. It's going to help to give structure to your day. Otherwise, it could become it could become a bit dangerous like if you if you if you stay in bed all morning and then you don't get out of your pajamas and you don't have a shower and then uh, that can be quite um risky it's not good for your mood it's good to get up to impose Im- to impose no to impose some discipline on your day keep active if you can physically active as well if possible even if you're stuck indoors you might need to do some kind of physical activity because physical activity is really vital for your mood and your your mental health so that means doing stuff like you know even just stretching doing some yoga and there are tons of free yoga instructional videos that you can find online just go onto youtube and just try you know yoga for beginners or something there are loads and loads of different instructional yoga videos and do yoga every day it'll really help it's really good for you uh even though you're stuck indoors, try to get as much sunshine and fresh air as possible. So get those windows open, freshen the air in your in your house or your flat. Um, get Let the sun uh, on your face. Don't sit indoors with the curtains closed, staring at a computer screen all the time. Uh, try and get some fresh air and sunshine. Keep your mind stimulated. That means that, you know, read some read some good books or try to do something challenging, even if it's just doing Sudoku puzzles or words, word puzzles and things like that. Focus on a hobby. If you've got some kind of hobby that uh, you could put your mind to, if it's even just painting or, or um, I don't know, even things like just colouring, you know, that can be very good, very ther- therapeutic. Meditate. Again, you could go onto YouTube and just type meditation for beginners or you could download one of those apps like, what's it called? Um, Headspace. Try getting Headspace, um, the app, and do little bits of meditation every day. You can play music if you uh, have musical instruments lying around. This could be a good chance for you to kind of get back into trying to play the piano, trying to play the guitar again. Um, I've been playing lots of guitar in my little spare moments and it's really, really nice and satisfying to be able to play. I've been recording myself playing and sending it to uh, my uncle, my brother, um, and we've been sharing little guitar videos. My uncle's learning the guitar and it's been really good to be able to um, kind of like share little videos with each other. Um, Read and write. Okay. Reading books, obviously I've talked about that. 
writing as well is important. You could write a diary during this period. It's actually very good for your for your state of mind. Just pour out your thoughts into the diary. It can be very rewarding to write everything down. Just write down all the things you're feeling and thinking. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. Just stick it all in, especially if it's in English. I definitely recommend writing a diary every day in English. You, it doesn't have to be long. You could just write one page in English about the things you've done and the things you thought and felt about them. And just try to keep that up every day. It'll really help your English. You'll see. Even if no one reads it, even if no one reads it, you might think, well, what's the point if no one's going to correct my errors? It's still very good for your English to write regularly, to construct sentences. Uh, writing is, a, is quite a mindful thing to do because you can take your time and you will you'll discover it's very healthy for your English. So write, write a diary every day. Um, if you've got a to-do list, this is your chance to cross things off that to-do list and catch up on things that you've been meaning to do for a while. You could binge, you could binge watch some TV series. Why not? Um, you know, there's loads of TV series out there you could binge watch, binge listen to podcasts or audio books. By the way, if you're interested in binge watching some TV series and you're looking for ideas, I did do an episode a couple of years ago about uh, comedy TV shows. What was it called? Um, comedy TV shows. I've obviously done a few. There it is. Episode 507, Learning English with UK Comedy TV Shows. And it's full of recommendations of uh, good comedy TV shows from the UK, um, including... Um, what are some of the shows that I recommended in that episode. There was, what? Uh, the Office, of course. Alan Partridge, Father Ted, uh, Blackadder, Bottom, Monty Python's Flying Circus, Spaced, The Day-to-Day, -Day, Brass Eye, Only Fools and Horses, Black Books, Absolutely Fabulous, The Thick of It, Yes Minister, Dad's Army, Red Dwarf, Gavin and Stacey, Outnumbered, uh, One Foot in the Grave, Little Britain, The Fast Show, Extras, The Royal Family, The Trip, The League of Gentlemen, The Mighty Boosh, Peep Show, Faulty Towers, The IT Crowd, Limmy's Show, The Inbetweeners, Keeping Up Appearances, One Foot in the Grave, Porridge, The Young Ones, Steptoe and Son, Hello, Hello, Have I Got News for You, Mock the Week, Never Mind the Buzzcocks, Eight After Ten Cats, QI, Would I Lie to You, and plenty, plenty more. If you want to you know, if you want to hear me talking about most of those shows, just listen to episode 507 again to get some inspiration and some advice. Okay. You could also binge listen to podcasts and audio books. Don't need to tell you about those. I think you've probably got, you know, well, you could dip into the archive if you if you haven't heard all my episodes. Uh, binge on something. Uh, it's just the phrase to binge on TV shows, but you also binge watch or binge listen. Uh, catch up on things I've done spend time doing things, uh, to daydream is, uh, that's all right. You know, you can just sit there and just let your mind wander as long as you try to, uh, stick to more positive or creative things rather than just getting carried away with, uh, paranoid and anxious thoughts. Just let your mind wander. It's kind of part of meditating really. Um, 
Okay, so there you go. That was a huge list of vocab. You'll find all of those phrases and words and things on the page for this episode on my website. So do check it out. You'll see lots of those things. If you're wondering how to spell them, if you can't remember them and you'd like to check them again, if you want to take some of those phrases and put them into flashcard apps and things or word lists, you can just go to teacherluke.co.uk, find the page for this episode. This is episode number 655 and you'll find all that stuff there. Also, you'll find most of this transcribed, although a lot of it is just notes, really, but certainly the beginning. And I think from this point forwards, a lot of this is transcribed. Um, Where was I? So I'd like to just talk now about some recent news. I know this episode is becoming very long, but I mean, I think probably a lot of you've got plenty of time on your hands. And anyway, we've been through this whole long episode thing in the past, haven't we? So some recent news at the time of recording this. Now, since I spoke to my dad in episode 652 in the Rick Thompson report, and we talked about how the UK government had been pursuing a plan of herd immunity, herd immunity, which basically means don't make people stay at home, don't close restaurants or pubs or gyms or other places, Basically, don't put the country on lockdown. Just let everyone get the virus. Let everyone then become immune to it eventually. And so what if some people die? At least the economy will be okay. That seemed to be the general approach behind herd immunity. The UK government did have that approach when I talked to my dad. Um, When was that? Probably about two weeks ago now. Actually, I'd just like to add something. Uh, at this point here, after having listened to the recent episode of the Adam Buxton podcast, in which he interviews Dr. Zand Van Tulliken, who is a sort of a specialist in the area of um, um, weird diseases, let's say. I don't think that's his actual title. But anyway, I listened to the recent episode of the Adam Buxton podcast with Dr. Zand Van Tulliken, in which they talk about lots of things relating to this situation. And I highly recommend it. And uh, I just wanted to add that actually it's really hard to calculate the human cost of either the coronavirus or the effects of the containment measures. Which one will kill more people or cause more suffering, the virus itself or the knock-on effects of all these containment measures and the impact that they will have on the economy and on people's lives? It's very hard to balance the two things. The, obviously, the, this dangerous virus, but also the impacts of the containment measures. Which one will kill more people? It's very hard to say. Which one will cause more suffering? It's very difficult to say. So it's just hard to balance those two things. Anyway, let's carry on. But since then, the government has completely changed its position and has put the country, the UK, on lockdown. But it was only imposed at the start of this week. And it's probably a bit late. And a lot of the projections say that um, the UK is basically following in the footsteps of Italy. It's just maybe a couple of weeks behind. So potentially the UK is facing a very tough month ahead. And maybe the UK is going to be on lockdown for a, for a, a long time now. Maybe the whole world is. We don't know, do we? But it's probably a bit late. I will have to talk to my dad again about this to get more update information, more detail, um, update, updated um, information about what's going on in the UK. Although I don't want to overload you all with coronavirus content. I mean, everyone is now going on and on and on about the coronavirus. And it's it's kind of weird. Since everyone is stuck at home and this story is 
um, changing all the time. It's just constant, like a barrage of coronavirus, this coronavirus, that just everyone won't stop talking about it, including me. So I don't want to go on and on and on about it too much. I don't want to over egg the pudding with all this coronavirus stuff. But anyway, it would be good to talk to my dad um, at some point just to kind of get an update. Um, By the way, talking of family, I'm glad that a lot of you enjoyed the recent episode with my mum, the Jill's Book Club episode. And I've been thinking about this cat from the comment section. Comment section cat said to me, Luke, is there any way that you could let us know in advance what book you will be talking about next time? And I can actually, Kat, I'll, I'll mention this again at another time because almost obviously I'm saying this an hour and 30 minutes into um, uh, into this episode. A Gentleman in Moscow is the book that we're going to be talking about next time. I don't know when that's going to be. But anyway, I think, the, yeah, I've, well, I've said it now. So that's it. We're going to talk about A Gentleman in Moscow, a 2016 novel by Amor Towels, uh, A-M-O-R-T-O-W-E. L-E-S. But anyway, the book is called A Gentleman in Moscow. Um, okay, so there you go. That's the book that we're going to be talking about. So if you are curious, you could maybe read A Gentleman in Moscow before um, and then when the next episode of Jill's Book Club arrives, you will have read the book already if you want to. Um, I don't know when the next episode of Jill's Book Club will be. It might be, I don't know, a couple of months or something. We'll see. Um, anyway, So I'll have to talk to my dad again to get a more updated version of what's going on in the UK. Although I don't want to overload you with coronavirus content, he says, after 90 minutes of this. So also there's there's the fact that Prince Charles has tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, In fact, you know, we'll be discovering more and more celebrities who've got it. I think Tom Hanks was the first famous person to 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 get it but uh anyway in the uk prince charles has got it he's tested positive for the coronavirus and today so has boris johnson the prime minister he's got it and also the um the health secretary mark um hancock mark hancock matt hancock He's also got it. And also the chief medical officer in the UK has got it. So the three most important people in the country fighting against the coronavirus have got the coronavirus, which I suppose is no real surprise, considering these are the people sort of certainly on at the government level who are on the front line uh, of this situation. So, um, you know, they will have been meeting lots and lots of people, maybe meeting lots of doctors, maybe even visiting hospitals and things. So it's not really a surprise. It's not that ironic that they've got it, but it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that the chief medical officer and also the health secretary have both got the coronavirus and Boris Johnson. Um, anyway, I'll I'll come back to Boris Johnson in a moment. And because, you know, you might want to know what I think about those things. People have been asking me on Twitter and stuff like Prince Charles has got the coronavirus. What do you think about this, Luke? Um, because I'm sort of a spokesperson, apparently, for uh, UK stuff. But anyway, so yes, Prince Charles has tested positive for the coronavirus. Now, yeah, he's tested positive for the coronavirus. This doesn't mean that he likes it. It's like, what do you think of the coronavirus? I'm positive. I'm for it. No, that's not what he mean. That's not what that means. Obviously, he's tested positive for it. Just means that he's got it. And what do I think? Well, obviously, I wish him well. Of course, like anyone who's got this, he is in the at risk category. He's seventy one years old. 
but apparently his symptoms are fairly mild. He'll probably be okay. I expect he's got excellent medical care, so he'll probably be all right. I reckon most people, when hearing the news about Charles, when most people heard that Charles had got it, I reckon most people just thought, all right, so Charles has got it. But what about the Queen? Is the Queen okay? Because if the Queen got it, that would be very bad news. Because she's got, obviously, she's got good medical care too, of course. But still, she is 93. And we know that when the Queen dies, and she will die, of course, despite the fact that we constantly ask God to save her, God save the Queen, um, uh, uh, you know, she will eventually die. Uh, uh, and we know that when she does die, it will be so significant that the country will definitely change. It will be a hugely significant moment. It'll be some sort of turning point for the UK, I think. It will signify the end of an era. Um, There will be national mourning on an unprecedented scale. I'm not saying she's going to get... What? She's got the virus. Is the Queen going to die? Hold on a minute. I didn't say that. that, uh, I don't think... As far as we know, she doesn't have the virus. I'm not saying that she's going to get killed by the coronavirus, but I'm just saying that when she finally does uh, die, the Queen, it'll be massive. It'll signify the end of an era. There will be national mourning. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, when, like, grief, on an unprecedented scale. Not necessarily because everyone loves her, but just because she is such a significant figure and one of the only symbols of national unity that we have left. I say national unity, I suppose I mean continuity, in the sense that she's been a constant thing for decades, while so many other things have changed, and I think the whole of the UK gets some sense of security from that sense of continuity, that she's been there through so many different periods, so through so many different changes. It's a complex situation, you know, um, having a monarch. And of course, there are various opinions on the monarchy, including many who think it's an outdated institution and it represents inequality and privilege in society. But still, it'll be a hugely significant moment when she does die and the country will grind to a halt. It'll stop again for days with public holidays and various other things happening. So if she died during this coronavirus lockdown, that would be devastating. I mean, that would be awful. Uh, And if she got it and she died, and if everyone thought that Charles had given it to her, like if that's how it happened, if somehow it was suggested that Charles is the one who gave it to her and then she died, they would chop his head off. I mean... (laughs) I don't. I, obviously, they wouldn't. I'm joking. But let's say uh, the knives would be out, which is an expression, and it would be extremely bad for Charles's popularity, which is already quite shaky. Anyway, I, why am I fantasizing about Charles killing the Queen with the coronavirus? This is not happening. And anyway, this episode is not about the monarchy. Charlie's got it. He'll probably be okay. Let's just hope the Queen doesn't get it. Okay. Also, Boris Johnson has tested positive for it too. Now, I'm no fan of Boris Johnson. I'm not a fan of his at all by any means. But nevertheless, I don't, you know, I I wouldn't wish this on anyone. Apparently, though, he has mild symptoms and he's staying at home. He's working from home. Ironically, uh, so does the health secretary, Matt Hancock. He's also got it. To be honest, it's no surprise 
because until about a week ago, as I said before, the government's position on this whole thing was to just let everyone get infected, let the population develop herd immunity. It's no big deal, really. That's what they were thinking. It's no big deal if loads of elderly people die and the NHS collapses under the pressure. Then never mind, we'll just keep calm and carry on. That seemed to be the 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 opinion. And as long as the economy is all right, it's okay. As long as our friends in the insurance industry are okay, that's the main thing, right? And if some old people and some poor people die, no problem. It just means we won't have to spend any money on their public services. It's all good. I think that was the the general consensus uh, previously, but now they've changed their mind. But anyway, previously, in fact, Boris was bragging only uh, a matter of days ago, really, during a press conference about how he'd met loads of coronavirus sufferers in hospital and how he'd made a point of shaking all their hands and he was shaking everyone's hands. I expect he's eating his words now, now that he realises just how serious this situation is. I don't mean because he's got it, but because it is a serious situation. And I expect that the government has been consulting with uh, experts, like the top experts, the best experts they could find. And those experts are saying, actually, uh, Mr. Johnson, you know that whole herd immunity thing? Actually, we've realised that's a really shit idea. And uh, uh, if you let that happen, then it would be um, it would be awful. There'd be there'd be you know. The hospitals would be full of dead people. There'd be dead people everywhere. You can't do that. It's a terrible idea. You know, you've got to, you've got to quickly tell the country uh, that they have to stay at home. And Boris is like, hey, you know, you've got, you've got to, uh, you've got to stay at home. And uh, it's, you know, look, really important. I know pubs are great. Uh, I love pubs, but really, you've got to stay at home. Um, that's what he said. And everyone's like, okay, Boris, fine. And they still went to the pubs. And then he, you know, a week later, he's like, you know, uh, we've, 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 no one wants to make this decision, least of all me, but uh, we've had to close the pubs. So they, they then actually in, uh, imposed a lockdown. So what am I, what am I saying? What am I saying? Anyway, but before that, he was actually bragging about it. Oh, it's all right. You know, I've been shaking people's hands. I've met many uh, coronavirus uh, sufferers and I've been shaking all their hands. And, and like now he's got it. Like you stupid idiots! What were you thinking? What's perhaps even more serious and shocking is not the fact that he's got it, but how irresponsible he's been. Like, sure, he's he's got it now, which a doesn't help him or the country because he's the leader, and it doesn't help his pregnant girlfriend who he lives with. But also, b he's possibly spread the virus to loads of other people potentially really important people who are helping to run the country and this is this could lead to potentially thousands of people getting the virus because this is the way that this virus spreads it spreads in a way that is it, it spreads exponentially a lot more it's a lot more infectious than something like the flu so congratulations boris you have directly helped to make the situation much much worse than it could have been congratulations in fact here is boris johnson saying that recently in a in a press conference he's been i've been shaking hands uh, uh continuously here he is I, I, i'm shaking hands continuously i was at a i was at a hospital the other night where i think there were a few there were actually a few coronavirus uh, patients and i shook hands with everybody uh, you'll be pleased to know and, and i continue to shake hands everybody well done boris good for you old chap Spread that virus around. Don't keep it to yourself. Uh, 
Um, okay. Now, I'd, I would like to make a couple of corrections. Are you still listening? <sighs> After an hour and 40 minutes. Come on, Luke. Um, a couple of corrections from episodes 651 and 652. So in episode 651, I said that flu was a form of coronavirus. I mean, you know, technically I was reading from a page from Englishclub.com. I should have known. I should have known. Anyway, I trusted them. I was wrong. But um, I said that the flu was a form of coronavirus, and apparently that's not true. Coronavirus and flu are totally different. And while flu is a killer, coronavirus is potentially a much bigger killer because of the way it spreads. And for those people out there who are saying things like this, like flu kills more people per year than coronavirus, what's all the fuss about? You know, we deal with flu. We don't get this problem because of flu. Well, um, you know, we shouldn't be worrying about the coronavirus. Well, if you are saying that, then here's a clip of a stand-up comedian called Nico Yearwood talking about it on stage before the lockdown when the comedy clubs were still open. So this is from before the lockdown. And it's uh, Nico Yearwood talking about people who say that because the flu kills more people than the coronavirus, that we don't need to worry about the coronavirus. And this is why he thinks they're wrong. Here we go. Let me just get this ready. He's got... He's got, well, I guess, what is a Caribbean accent. I'm not sure exactly where he's from. He might be from Jamaica, but he's definitely got a bit of a Caribbean accent, I think. I'll I'll Google him and see where he's from. Anyway, see if you can follow what he's saying. What's the point he's making? Uh, The flu. The flu has killed way more people. What are you worried about that shit for? The flu has a higher mortality rate. I'm like, that makes no fucking sense. But now there's two things trying to kill me. Like, what was the logic behind Like, if you lived in a neighborhood and there was a serial killer and another serial killer moved in, you wouldn't be like, babe, another serial killer moved in. But don't worry, he only killed three people a month. It's the guy down the road we need to worry about. He kills ten. You know, you got two people to fucking worry about now, so... Jesus Christ, man. You get the idea, right? So, uh, it's like saying... What is it? Let me actually read his subtitles uh, so you can hear it in my voice. Ah, oh, the flu. This is what people say. Ah, oh, the flu. The flu's killed way more people than coronavirus. Why are you worried about that? The flu has a higher mortality rate. That makes no sense. Because now there are two things trying to kill me. Ha, 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 ha. Lots of laughter. <laughs> if you lived in a neighbourhood and there was a serial killer and another serial killer moved in... <laughs> You wouldn't say, babe, another serial killer's moved in, but don't worry, he only kills three people a month. <laughs> it's the guy down the road we need to worry about. He kills ten. No, you've got two people to worry about now. Okay, that's a pretty good point. It's quite funny. Uh, that's the dumbest logic ever, he says. I've worked out where he comes from, Nico Yearwood. He comes from Barbados. Um, so that's, I, was, I think I was right. Uh, yeah, a Caribbean accent. Let's hear it out again. What are you worried about that shit for? Flu has a higher mortality rate. I'm like, that makes no fucking sense. But now there's two things trying to kill me. Oh, okay. Right, now. Um, so also in episode 651, I accidentally said that we should be washing our hands for 20 minutes. Obviously, that was just a slip and I meant to say 20 seconds. Uh, we did correct that in the following episode. Um I also said that masks, you know those masks you wear 
or might not wear, I don't know, uh, those masks, I said that those masks don't stop you getting the virus. Now, I realise now that I had almost no actual evidence to back that up. It turns out there are actually several types of masks, and some are more effective at protecting you from this than others. So we've got disposable face masks versus what's called N95 respirator masks. This is from CNET.com. So disposable face masks block large particles from entering your mouth which I suppose means that small droplets containing the virus might still be able to get in. And anyway, you can probably still get infected through your eyes and ears too, potentially, but maybe these disposable masks can help prevent you spreading it around. But anyway, the point is, disposable masks block large particles, so that would be things like air pollution. So that's the disposable masks. Then the more tight-fitting the more tight-fitting N95 respirator masks are far more effective at shielding you from airborne illnesses. Those are the ones with the filters fitted in the front. So both of these masks could potentially help you from getting a viral infection, but US government officials have emphasised that the American public should not pu- should not purchase face masks to prevent themselves from getting infected. Instead, only people who are displaying symptoms of coronavirus should wear masks to prevent the spread of the disease to others. Mm. And apparently the N95 masks are much harder to find. What's the point here? Apparently the N95 masks are the ones that are more likely to stop you getting it. The disposable masks mm, might not be that effective. In fact, apparently the, the, the virus can can stay in the mask for like seven days, I read. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about it anymore because I don't really know what I'm talking about. But, you know, if you've got... If you've got other things to say about that, then you can get in touch in the comments section. But I just wanted to say there are two types of face masks, disposable ones, which arguably aren't that effective. Hmm. Um, maybe they can help you stop spreading it. The, the argument is that you should only be wearing them if you've got it. And it's a way to stop you spreading it to others. Whereas the ninety, the N95 respirator masks are much more effective at, at protecting you from airborne illnesses like the coronavirus. Anyway, I'm going to move on. I've got other stuff. Oh, God. I wanted to talk about what I've been experiencing. Shall I just keep talking? I mean, what the hell? I'll just keep talking. It's going to be a long episode. Those of you who've got lots of time on your hands, you'll enjoy listening to this. Those of you who... Um, um, you know, those of you who don't, you just won't. Okay, you can stop listening at any time. Okay, so what have I been going through? I'm now going to talk about some personal experiences. Oh, it's past my bedtime. I'm podcasting late at night again. It's well, late-ish. It's about half past midnight now. Um, because this is the only time I get to do this. The rest of the time is spent doing like other bits of work, training for the British Council, learning how to teach my classes on Zoom, and, of course, looking after my two-year-old daughter who requires, you know, all the, all our attention. You can't just let her sit in her room reading a book. Uh, you've got to be with her all the time. So I end up doing this at night. In the evenings, I'm cooking and then eating, and then it's like, right, now I can podcast. Oh, God, it's half past midnight. So here are some details, anyway, about what we're doing in 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 our home and some of the challenges that we're facing so france has been on lockdown for nearly two weeks almost everything is closed except certain shops selling essential items and 
uh, note that uh, all the wine shops and cheese shops are still open in our area. So this is France. Wine and cheese are considered essential things. Thank goodness. Now, my daughter isn't going to creche. Creche, that's the daycare centre. So we have to look after her all the time. That's great, but it's also exhausting. I'm not complaining, of course, I'm not, because it's amazing spending quality time with her. But it's difficult because it's it's hard to get other things done. Now, yeah, but I'm not complaining. We knew what we were doing when we created her, you know, so it's it's our fault, any you know, if if anything. Anyway, the thing is, it takes a lot of time and all that. And my wife and I have work to do of our own. Uh, you know, like I want to work on premium content. I want to make my episodes for you to listen to. And I've got other work as well that needs to be done. Um, so we divide the day. I uh, Recently, I've been looking after um, our daughter in the morning and in the afternoon, it's the other way around. Um, I still teach classes for the British Council, English lessons, but now they're happening on Zoom. You know, Zoom, the video conferencing platform. Actually, Zoom, the company Zoom, are doing pretty well out of this coronavirus situation, aren't they? I think if anyone is is doing well, it's it's Zoom. Everyone has been suddenly jumping onto Zoom and using that. It's an excellent video conferencing uh, bit of software, and I expect that they've had loads of people signing up to their pro service. Zoom must be raking it in. Maybe that's it. Maybe they're the ones behind the behind this whole thing. I don't know. Who owns Zoom? Is it an Irish-Mongolian country, uh, company? I don't know. Why do you keep mentioning Ireland and Mongolia, Luke? I don't know. Just two random com- countries that I thought, you know, probably wouldn't uh, do this. Anyway, Zoom, I'm sure they're doing really well. Uh, so teaching on Zoom, I'm teaching my classes on Zoom. It's pretty good. It's not as good as teaching in, in real life, but it's not bad. It works quite well. For example, I can do things like I can uh, um, I can put my students into uh, breakout rooms. That's where I put them in pairs or groups of three and they go off and they just talk to each other and I can drop in on their conversations and stuff. I can do things like share my screen and I can annotate the screen. So I, if I get a PDF of uh, some English materials, learning materials, I can show that on the screen and we're all looking at the same thing at the same time and I can annotate it. I can write uh, words and point arrows and do corrections and stuff. We can record the videos of the lessons and they can then watch them back again afterwards. It's actually quite good, but I prefer teaching in class because obviously I I like the physical interaction. What kind of physical interaction, Luke? What are you doing in your classes? I mean, I like being able to move around and turn my head to look at the student over here and then I turn my head to the other way. Oh, and there's another one over there. You know, it's I like you know, obviously being in a physical space is much better, but Zoom is surprisingly good. Um, in fact, one thing I thought the other day is that this crisis is going to force us to change and it will be a driver of change in various ways. Certainly, we're all becoming a lot more familiar with video conferencing. And I think a lot of employers and employees will realise that working from home is really doable and it will become more and more normal. Anyway, let me now talk about going outside and staying indoors most of our time is spent indoors, of course, but we do go outside from time to time. It is allowed by law. I know there's a lockdown in in place and we are doing our best to contain the spread of this virus, but we are allowed to go outside under certain conditions. Um, So going outside. So here are some notes that I wrote about going outside. First of all, feeling a bit guilty and feeling a bit nervous. Uh, 
So first of all, I don't want to catch the virus. So that's why I'm a bit nervous. Like, ah, oh, where is it? It's everywhere, but it's invisible. Uh, I don't want to catch it. So you feel a bit anxious, but also feeling a bit guilty. Like, oh, I'm not sure I should even be doing this, but I have to. I have to go out. I have to take my daughter outside. She has to walk around. She has to run around and jump around a bit. Uh, but I have to be very cautious about where we go and uh, what she does. So we go to very quiet streets where there's no one and I let her run around and jump up and down and I try and let her burn off as much energy as possible. I think it's vital for our mental and physical health to to do that. And we are allowed to do that. Um, But there are strict instructions from the government which we're trying to comply with. Strict instructions are things like you're allowed to, you know, go out within a certain radius from your home. I think it's one kilometer. Um, you are allowed to go out for a certain length of time. I think it's a maxim- maximum one hour. Uh, you're not allowed to congregate with uh, more than one person. And uh, if there are other people near you, you have to stay at least, I think it's two meters away from them now. So it's basically a case of going out, avoiding other people and not taking my daughter to places it's difficult because sometimes you need to do a bit of food shopping but as much as possible i try and keep her away from shops keep her away from places where there are other people because she has a habit of like you know she wants to grab things she wants to touch things and stuff so we end up just being in in empty streets uh walking along curbstones jumping up and down steps and things i'm just trying and running like we'll walk along and sometimes she gets fed up and she'll be like you know daddy daddy pick me up and then i'm like oh i know i've got an idea let's run and let's run to the end of this road and then we're like running and like run 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 and she's giggling because she enjoys the running so it's just like a case of trying to get keep her active there are strict instructions from the government. We're trying to comply with them. People are getting very angry about this on social media. There's like, um, you see people on social media getting very angry when they see people outside. So it's a bit of a contentious issue. But we only go outside for a bit of exercise. We stay uh, one kilo- uh, maximum one kilometre from our home. It's only ever just one of us going out. So it's either just me or just my wife or me and my daughter or my wife and my daughter. It's only ever one or two of us going out. We just walk around the block choosing quiet streets, blah, blah, blah. But going out in Paris during this period is very weird. The place is empty. It's dead. It's like a ghost town. It's quite eerie. Eerie is the word. Double E-R-I-E. Eerie is a good word to describe a place that's a bit kind of, it's a bit sort of creepy and strange and a bit scary. It's really eerie. So it's also quite peaceful and wonderful. Now, you know, despite the fact that this is a bad situation in general, going out in Paris when the weather is beautiful and the weather has been amazing, it's been a blue sky, uh, quite cold, but not too windy, very sunny, perfect conditions, my favourite kind of weather. So it's been really weird. It's very strange and eerie with no one in the street, um, but it's also very beautiful. Paris is a very beautiful city, and usually it's very busy and very stressful, but not at the moment. Um, um, well, not busy anyway. It's still a little bit stressful, but in a different way. The weather's been fantastic, which makes this much easier to deal with. If it was all grey and raining all the time, it would be much more miserable. But because the weather's so nice, it's actually quite pleasant. But Paris is also quite a dirty place, I must say. 
like most inner city areas, and not every part of Paris, the area where we live tends to be quite grotty in the street. Uh, I don't know why, but there's often a lot of rubbish and a general uncleanliness. Um, You get quite a lot of homeless people in Paris. And as a result, they kind of, you know, go to the toilet in various places, like they pee against the wall. And there are lots of dogs in Paris and people let their dogs just do their poo on the on the street which is really a pity because you know Paris being a beautiful place you want to be able to walk around and admire the buildings oh look up there look up here oh god so <laughs> you've got to watch your step but it seems to me that it's it seems a little bit dirtier than normal i don't know if this is true or if i'm just noticing it more or if it's just that the pe- people have not been cleaning the streets but it's it's there's you know some streets you walk down and there's like rubbish strewn across the street because someone's let a rubbish bag fall over or something and it's there's rubbish on the street and no one's cleared it up i guess it's sort of normal i'm just noticing it more than normal but i sometimes wonder what the condition of the place will be what's the city going to look like after a few weeks of this are the streets usually this dirty or is it just more obvious now i'm teaching my daughter to count and we often count things that we see in the street and unfortunately, she now counts the dog poo. So she's going poo poo, two, two, three poo poo. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it, unfortunately. Uh, I try not to talk about it much. I'm like, yeah, 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 never mind that. Never mind that. How many cars can you see? How many blue cars are there? You know, that sort of thing. At least she knows that she should avoid the poo. I'm not sure if there is a taboo about talking about poo. Is there a poo taboo in Paris? I don't know. I still don't know after living here for seven years or or so. I still don't know if it's like, if you shouldn't talk about it. It seems weird to me. It's odd. I mean, I can't help noticing it, but whenever I bring it up to my Parisian friends, they're like, what? No. In fact, there's far less poo than there used to be. It's like, oh God, should I not be talking about it? Is it rude to talk about it? It'd be strange. Surely the taboo would be to let your dog do it on the street and not clean it up. That should be the taboo. Talking about it is not that bad. Anyway, I think actually Paris is just always like that. It's just one of those things. And it's it's probably not a good idea to talk about it any more than, than I have done. Um, some shops are open, as I said. Uh, you know, basics like supermarkets, boulangeries, that's bakeries, cheese shops. Yep, I live in Paris. Cheese is an essential human right. Uh, good cheese. Queues, queuing, standing in line. Um, normally, I have a nightmare queuing in Paris where people jump ahead of me. People constantly cheat and skip the line, which really annoys me. But at the moment, queues are more orderly. There are lines on the ground. The supermarkets have, have put uh, taped lines on the ground to show that you have to stay at least uh, one or two metres away from each other. And people respect these rules. People know that they have to stay a certain distance away from each other. There is more politeness, actually, in the queues. Finally, uh, it takes a, a, a global crisis for Parisians to actually queue properly. Um, but it's tricky going around trying to stop my daughter from touching anything. I'm trying to get my daughter to run while, while holding my hand. Uh, I'm trying to encourage her to jump onto manhole covers and jump onto different... Uh, lines and things she sees in the street. 
we spend quite a lot of time walking up to where the guitar shops are and we we look into the windows of the guitar shops and we count different guitars and I ask her what color they are and I tell her there's one shop with loads of different ukuleles of different colors and I'm saying I say to her look at all the ukuleles and she's learned how to say ukulele and I'm, I say which one's your favorite she as she's two years old and three months everything is about being possessive it's like she's very possessive everything belongs to her so it's my daddy my daddy my mummy my granny my granddad my guitar my ukulele so so i i you know we stand in front of the guitar shop and i'm like which one do you like and she's like my guitar my ukulele and I'm like all right hold on i'm not made of money it's like you know welcome to the future i'm sure that one day she will be actually saying that's my credit card daddy <laughs> um but uh she likes the black ukulele in the window, which I'm surprised about. I'm like, you really? You don't, you don't want the pink one, the yellow one, the blue one? It's like, the black one, the black one, my ukulele. I'm like, all right. In a couple of years, when you're ready to play, I might buy it for you. Um, so that's fun. Quality time. That's going out. It's fun. It's, it's bizarre. It's eerie and weird and wonderful and also a bit stressful. And it makes you feel a bit guilty. Um, staying in which is most of the time. So the main challenge for us is keeping our daughter busy, keeping up her education, even though she's just two uh, years and three months. So it's like trying to, you know, teach her basic things, limiting screen time. I don't want to let her look at screens and videos and things too much. Uh, Also maintaining our mental health. I mean, just trying to stay in a good mood, trying to stay positive, getting enough physical exercise for all of us, but especially the little one, managing to get work done and also keeping in touch with friends and family and just trying not to worry, trying not to get too uh, anxious. Um, And I feel like we're only partly successful in all those areas. We've been trying to do things like yoga for kids and there are some videos, Cosmic Kids. Check out YouTube, Cosmic Kids. Uh, there's a there's yoga instructional videos for kids which are quite cute and it's fun watching uh, our daughter most of the time she tries to copy the moves and it's really adorable watching her say namaste and uh, and all that stuff Um, reading 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 just reading loads of books with her encouraging her to notice that the words i'm reading you know the things i'm saying they're written down that's a word you know um, you we have an app on an ipad which is a preschool app by Montessori. And it's all about basic literacy and numeracy and stuff. And so it's all about sort of uh, phonics. So learning the sounds that letters make and learning how to write those letters and identify the letters and say the letters and numbers and colors and other different things and music and drawing. And uh, so we let her play with that sometimes like if i'm cooking her lunch i'll give her the app and let her like do some numeracy or literacy on the on the ipad which she likes that's good but try not to let her look at screens too much because i don't think it's very good for her ultimately it's better for her to be doing other things like um physical games and 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 stuff um uh we play games for numbers and colors we're listening to music um uh, she's speaking a lot more english because she speaks i speak to her in english loads more uh, normally she's at crash and obviously that's all in french so um this is good you know that she's getting exposed to a lot more english it's like intensive english um exposure 
Uh, we, we even do things like have showers together now because we've got a lot more time in the morning. So when I have a shower, she comes into the shower with me and it's like really fun. We, she's got like her toys in the shower and, you know, we spray each other with the water and it's really nice. Um, and washing our hands uh, and face when we get in and we wash our hands together and we sing happy birthday to various celebrities. Like it was Kurt Russell's birthday. So we were singing happy birthday, dear Kurt Russell. Happy birthday to Bruce Willis. Happy birthday to George Clooney and some other people. So overall, things are not that bad for us at all. We're incredibly lucky. For some others, this might be an impossible time. Some people have been laid off, meaning they've lost their jobs. Some people who are self-employed are unable to do their work. Some people will be unable to feed their kids because their schools are closed and they rely on those schools to provide a decent meal to their children at least once a day. A lot of people will have lost money. Uh, Some people will be worried about loved ones who are in vulnerable positions. And of course, some people will be sick with the coronavirus and feeling terrible, wondering if they should go to hospital. Some people will have lost people to this virus. Uh, So my heart goes out to you and uh, uh, our thoughts, my thoughts are, are with you. Um... I think it's time to pretty much finish, but I did say I would do a song at the end. So that is it for this episode, ladies and gents. Thank you very much for listening. Check the page for the episode on the website. It's been a marathon, this one. It's late. It's time for me to go to bed, but I am going to play a song on the guitar um, before I do that. Uh, Thank you very much. Leave your comments in the comments section and just share your experience. What's it been like for you? Uh, Positives, negatives, any any good tips on looking after kids in this scenario? Any good tips on you know maintaining your mental health? Uh, how are we going to get through this, guys? Um, share your thoughts and experiences uh, in the comments section. People have already been doing that. There've there already been some very interesting comments from everyone, and uh, so yeah, get involved in the conversation. Teacherluke.co.uk and find the page for this episode. Leave your thoughts and comments there. Okay? All right then. So, now I'm going to sing this song. And I've been trying to think, which song shall I sing that's about isolation, about sort of loneliness, maybe, for some of you? And um, But I wanted to do one that was not too depressing. So I've gone for So Lonely by The Police which is not really a depressing song. It's quite upbeat, really. And it's not really about being isolated. It's just about a guy who... What is it? Uh, A guy who's lonely, and um, he's got a broken heart because I think a girl left him or something. I think you know the song. I'm going to try and do it now. Uh, If you don't like me singing, then you can stop listening now. This is the last thing I'm doing in this episode. But otherwise, here's a nice song for you. Okay, and you can find the lyrics uh, on the website. Well, someone told me yesterday That when you throw your love away as if you just don't care You look as if you're going somewhere But I just can't convince myself I couldn't live with no one else 
And I can only play that part And sit and nurse my broken heart So lonely, so lonely, so lonely, so lonely So lonely, so lonely, so lonely So lonely, so lonely, so lonely So lonely, so lonely Now no one's knocked upon my door For a thousand years or more All made up and nowhere to go Welcome to this one-man show Just take a seat, they're always free No surprise, no mystery In this theatre that I call my soul I always play the starring role So lonely, so lonely, so lonely So lonely, 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 so lonely. That was uh, So Lonely by The Police. Thank you for listening. Speak to you again soon. But for now, take care. And I'll speak to you on the podcast at some point in the future. But now it's time to stop talking, Luke. Okay, I will. And uh, that's it. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.